Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. Will the Brooklyn Nets ever get it together? Can the Raptors complete the comeback against the 76ers? Who will the Jacksonville Jaguars select with the first overall pick in the NFL draft? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. On Monday night, the Boston Celtics did a bit of housekeeping. They got out the brooms and they swept the Brooklyn Nets 116-112. And I think the thing that stood out for a lot of fans watching was the last couple minutes when the Brooklyn Nets looked like they were ready to get to Cancun. There was not much of a fight put up at the end of the game, even when it was hmm, kind of in doubt. Joining me now from Locked On Nets, Doug Norrie. Doug, what did you make of the last couple minutes of what you joked before we got on here was a really fun season for the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> well, so I think that there was there was a fight in them, but then the season has been all about just these close calls slash what ifs slash just this never ending litany and line of things that sort of went wrong in just at just the wrong times. Right. And so it's been, it's been the story of the whole entire season and it just really couldn't go any other way. And I, I thought the whole season was basically summed up with they're finally making a run. It looks like there's going to be a chance. There, there's no way they're going to win the series, but the there looks like they're going to maybe go out really punching. And then Katie misses a free throw, which he never does. And then they all just kind of stand there shocked that he missed it. And then Boston gets out and tra- transition and dunks. And that was the end of the game. And I thought, I thought, well, that was perfect. Because <laughs> how how could it have gone any other way except that you're finally showing the requisite amount of fight in the series and you just end up standing around because your best player missed a, an easy shot and then and then basically the season's over and then that wasn't the last play of the game so I don't know it was just that if anything could sum up this kind of total disaster from basically the jump. I thought that that much didn't. And am I shocked that they got swept? I would have been shocked at the beginning of the season. I'm not shocked after watching the first three games. And and I think that's the problem. If if you're a Nets fan, if you're an NBA fan, because this, this is a team that was the the one seed before Katie got hurt earlier in the season. I mean, we're not that far removed from this being, or at least looking like the best team in the East. Is this as simple as, well, Kyrie didn't play half a season. That's not going to be a problem, at least from a COVID standpoint. Next year, we don't think Ben Simmons is going to have a full season. You you can talk yourself into the pathway moving forward, but this is a really difficult thing to move forward for, especially with the way that Kevin Durant looked, with the way that Kyrie Irving looked. These are supposed to be the cornerstones of your franchise. We're in year three now of, of having these guys. The story of the last three years is what it could look like. We're just keep waiting for what it could look like. It's been, it was the first year it was when, oh, we just, what will it look like when KD comes back? Okay, well, then we get that. Okay, well, then it's James Harden. And what, what will it look like when all three of the big, the, those three are Harden, KD, and Kyrie are playing together? Well, you don't get any of it because one of them's always hurt for that entire season and they get in the playoffs and then two of them just get hurt again. And so you never see that. Then you think, okay, well, this is going to be the year. And then you go in and then we had the vaccine mandate and for was what it was. And they never get, it's like, oh, what's going to look like when Kyrie comes back? What's going to look like when James Harden's in shape? Okay. What's it look like when Kevin Durant's not injured, right? This is, by the way, I could do a 300 of these things. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's way more. Um, what's it going to look like when Ben Simmons finally takes the court? It's just one, it's been one big, 
I can't wait to see what this is going to look like. The problem with the Nets is you just never get there. <laughs> it never happens. And so as much as I want to, I just can't do it. I, I, know, I know what you're asking. You're saying, what's it going to look like? This is the whole story. I, I Until it's actually like that, I can't do any more talking about it. I don't think in the sense that because now we're three years in and it's just never, they've never answered the what if yet. And it's because of just one thing after another. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen. Don't forget that starting this Thursday, April 28th, tune into Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders hosted by yours truly. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, catch Odyssey and Locked On's NFL Mock Draft special hosted by Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show all week leading up to the first pick coming up. Can the Raptors complete the comeback against the Philadelphia 76ers after being down 3-0 in the series? Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your daily gambling needs. Take a look at the NBA playoff point spreads for Tuesday. The Heat are big home favorites against the Hawks in Game 5. Bet Online likes Miami as a seven point favorite. The Grizzlies are home favorites against the T Wolves. Bet Online has that spread minus six in favor of Memphis. And the Suns, also big home favorites. As Bet Online currently likes them as six and a half point favorites in a pivotal game five. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Dallas Mavericks have taken a 3 2 series lead over the Utah Jazz after a dominating blowout victory on their home court. The Dallas Mavericks get their third win in the series at home. Nick Engstead from the Locked On Mavericks podcast here. And the stats in this game honestly don't matter. Almost a 30-point win for the Dallas Mavericks. Their defense has absolutely been smothering. They have been incredible on the defensive end, really tied together, doing a great job hedging, doing a great job of trapping when needed, doubling when needed. And the only things that the Jazz could get going were Rudy Gobert, second chance points, or stuff around the basket, or Jordan Clarkson just throwing up a prayer of a shot and hitting a lot of them. Mavs defense was incredible, and Luka Doncic at times in this game just toying with the Jazz. I mean, doing things that we don't usually see even in a regular season. Blocks Jordan Clarkson on a three-point attempt in the corner. Runs down to the other end of the floor and hits a pull-up transition three. The Mavs were running when they got rebounds. This is something we haven't seen for the Mavs much this season, but Luka Doncic was leading the way, scoring when he needed to, hitting big threes. The Mavs didn't even shoot well from three and still got a big win. They go up 3-2, go back to, to Utah for game six, and we'll see what happens. Memphis Grizzlies guard John Moran has been named the most improved player for the 2021-2022 NBA season. Moran set career bests in scoring, rebounds, steals, and field goal shooting. His scoring average last season was 19.1 points per game. He went up to over 27 points per game this season. The Grizzlies also had two more players receive votes for most improved. Desmond Bain finished in fifth, and Jaron Jackson Jr. was in Tent. They say the hardest jump to make is to go from star to superstar. John Morant did that this season. The New York Mets continued their strong start on Monday night with a 5-2 win over the St. Louis Cardinals. What the hell just happened? 
The New York Mets just won a game that they had no business winning. This is Ryan Ficklestad, the host of Locked On Mets, and I cannot believe what just happened. The early part of the game was just a pitcher's duel. You had Michaelis for the Cardinals, Max Scherzer for the Mets. Scherzer was sensational through seven innings, 10 strikeouts, just two hits, one walk. Did not get any run support, though. You get to a point after Trevor May gives up two runs in the bottom of the eighth where it was time to just call it a night. The Mets were going to lose that game. Then Nolan Arenado prolongs the inning with an error. Let me say that again. Nolan Arenado made an error on a play we've seen him make 100 times out of 100. Then after that happens, you get the Mets suddenly with some clutch hitting. Jeff McNeil gets a big knock. Dominic Smith puts a ball in play. Paul Goldschmidt does a great job knocking it down, but the pitcher is late to cover. Dom dies into first. The Mets score two runs. Suddenly, they have a lead. The Cardinals go to the bullpen. Brandon Nimmo hits a two-run homer. Mind blown. Five runs in the ninth, and the Mets win again. I'll be talking about all this with Lucas Smith of Locked On Cardinals. Don't know if he's as happy now to have this crossover episode we're about to record as opposed to what he was thinking about maybe 45 minutes ago. But you can check that all out on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Mets. The Washington Commanders just can't stop being in the news for negative reasons. The Virginia Attorney General has announced that their office will launch an investigation into the franchise following allegations of financial improprieties. Who knows what they will find. Here is another story you need to know. Well, 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 how the turntables. After being down 3 nothing, the Toronto Raptors have now ripped off two wins in a row. This one on Monday night, a 103-88 win to get to a 3-2 playoff series with the Philadelphia 76ers. Joining me now from Locked on Raptors, Sean Woodley. And Sean, how has Toronto clawed back into this series after it seemed like it was... Vince Carter in the dunk contest. It was over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we spoke after game three, right? And it really did seem like all was lost because it usually is lost when you're down 3-0. But in that game three, we did see the Raptors at least kind of figure out a bit of a recipe defensively for the Sixers and a way to make Joel Embiid feel uncomfortable, a way to play James Harden in single coverage, which has really been the big change that has sort of flipped this series on its head. They were overhelping way too much on Harden to start the series. Since game three, they've just been like, all right, James Harden, we dare you to score. And guess what? He has not been able to do that. And they have just really kind of honed in on the defense that we saw be one of the best defenses in the league over the back half of the season. They lost the plot a little in those first couple of games, but they've just kind of gotten right back to where they were in the last, you know, two months of the season thereabouts, where they just were really coalescing into this monstrous unit. And I think also with the game today, I, you know, it's weird to say the Raptors are better without Fred Van Vliet. I don't think they are as a whole or as a team, but with no Fred Van Vliet in this game, it left the Raptors stuck with, you know, only guys who are six foot nine and also Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> and it allows them to play the defense that they've been kind of wanting to play all season, sort of the vision six foot nine, if you will, that they've been crafting all season long. And it's really, really got the Sixers bothered. Their defense looks incredible. And the way they've been able to score, which has been very grimily, if that's a word, has been enough to get by. We're going to accept it here. I'll allow it. Absolutely. <laughs> Much is going to be made. At least if you're a Sixers fan, you can use the excuse. Well, Joel Embiid is hurt. We know he's dealing with a pretty serious thumb injury. Sure. He was not outstanding in this game offensively, but defensively, he was very bad. It wasn't just what the Raptors were able to do defensively. So how much of this is the Embiid injury with the understanding that 
hey, by the way, the Raptors are without arguably their best offensive player in this game as well. Yeah, well, I would quibble with that. Pascal Siakam has been their best offensive player for like four months, and he was unbelievable tonight. Just like pulling the strings of the offense anytime he had the ball in his hands, he was outstanding. With Embiid, yeah, I mean, defensively, the Raptors really seem to key in on, well, he's pretty tired, man. Like, why don't we just throw our crazy long fast dudes at him and see if they can ISO him? And that's what the Raptors have been done, right? Matchup basketball is not necessarily pretty, and statistically speaking, it's not terribly effective. But against this Sixers team, the Raptors have mismatches all over the place because everybody's six foot nine. Everyone's got a handle. Everyone can find an advantage. And it ends up with Precious Achua taking Joel Embiid ISO and blowing by him and finishing for easy buckets. It's pretty unbelievable. And on the offensive side of things, you know, game three, I look back at that one and the Sixers won that game despite not playing very well because Joel Embiid's shot making was ridiculous. And really, They've been forcing Joel Embiid to try to take ridiculous shots through much of this series. A lot of three-point attempts are just not letting him get that deep post position very often, maybe two or three times over the last couple of games here where he's been able to really carve out that space underneath and just sort of be seven foot two in space and just kind of lay it in. You know, they've been really meeting him pretty high up the floor. The Sixers are not doing any favors to Embiid. They're not getting it to him in deep or anything like that. And with the thumb, that clearly seems to be bothering his shot. And so if he can't have masterful shots making over the course of the next couple of games here the Raptors like they're cooking with something here they really seem to have found the formula and I do think it's really now on Doc Rivers to strike back because the Raptors have had this matchup figured out it seems for about three games now you mentioned Doc Rivers and him trying to figure this all out to what extent do you think we can attribute this comeback the last two games to what, what I think a lot of people thought would be a coaching advantage going into this series Nick Nurse versus Doc Rivers both guys with titles. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought Doc coached a really good first couple games of the series. They really turned the Raptors' weaknesses against them in a lot of ways and really made things difficult for the Raptors to kind of get their typical formula. I don't really know how much the last couple of games have had to do all that much with coaching. It kind of feels like the terms of this series are very much set. The Raptors know that they're going to go hunt Tyrese Maxey. They're going to hunt Tobias Harris. They're going to hunt Joel Embiid when they can, apparently, which is a thing now. Uh, and they're going to go do the mismatch thing. And then their defense has been just kind of doing its thing over the last few games here, too. I don't even know if there are that many more adjustments to make if you're Doc Rivers or even Nick Nurse, because both of these teams are kind of rolling with seven or eight guys they trust at this point. And there's not really any other personnel changes you can make. And the guys you have on the floor, in the Raptors' case, all kind of play the same way. And that kind of goes the same for the Sixers as well. So it does just feel like execution is where it's at here. There might be some kind of crazy lineup change that can be pulled out of the hat here by Doc Rivers, but I don't really see it. I don't think Furkan Korkmaz is coming in to save this series or anything like that. The Sixers just have to play better. Coming up, who will the Jaguars make the first overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft? Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players, and now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new daily fantasy over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the daily fantasy over under. For example, you could pick points in a basketball game, let's say Luka Doncic, or hits in baseball. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20x your original entry. The main reason I'm excited about daily fantasy, the odds 20 times what I'm putting in. Come on, you're not going to find that anywhere else. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new daily fantasy over-under game. Have fun with your friends and win. Make sure to use promo code LOCKDOWN today and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper 
Then use promo code Locked On today when you deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms and use for details. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years with prices that are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. For today's take, we get the first five picks in the final mock draft from Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy of Locked On NFL Draft. We're on the clock now. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Ryan, you pick for them. All right, I like it. And I'm going to go with what we're hearing out of the beat to tell you the truth, not what the consensus national is. I'm going to give them Icky Aquanu, who seems to be their top tackle on the board, and protect Trevor Lawrence. Icky Aquanu off the board first to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, I have heard as well that they, you know, they have four guys they've never let down, and they got Trent Baalke. And, and one thing that, that he can be a little, I don't know, you, you he, never know. It, Trent Baalke, the general manager for Jacksonville, he loves long arms, and Aiden Hutchinson doesn't have that. So does he overlook that and draft Aiden Hutchinson, or does he go with offensive line? I'm thinking there's a chance he goes O-line, excuse me. And if it is Iquanu, wouldn't be shocked at all. At number two overall, you have the Detroit Lions, and they have a lot of holes, specifically on that defense. And obviously they can upgrade at the receiver position, but I think right now, especially with this type of edge class, you're going edge or safety. I think it's just a little bit too high to take a safety right now. So definitely going edge. Now, what edge is that? And a lot more of what I'm hearing, especially kind of looking at some of the draft gurus, things like that, and what they think about Trayvon Walker, kind of leads me to believe that Trayvon Walker will be the new edge rusher out of Georgia for the Detroit Lions. Wow, I like that. He has been in the top half of the draft ever since basically the season ended, but to see him get all the way up there to number yeah. two now, first edge off the board, that's that's impressive, and kudos to him. I think that makes some sense. And if you're going to do that for me, I'm going to do something for you and for the Houston Texans as well because that changes things. I'm going to let them take the guy that I think they actually like, not necessarily the guy that we've been mocking to them. I'm going to give them Aiden Hutchinson from – Michigan, somebody that I think they're not concerned about the arm length. I think they are concerned about getting an alpha on the edge that they can look to and not necessarily reinvest in the secondary that they've done some work in the last few years. All right, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, new edge rusher for your Houston Texans. And then number four overall, you got the New York Jets. And this is a team, and I've been in a lot of different spaces and hearing a lot of different things about what they are thinking as a team Clearly, wide receivers are a position that they can upgrade on, and we'll see if they do that with Debo Samuel. But they got a lot of holes on this defense, and they got to get better. I think it starts with the edge rusher, and I think they'd be excited to see that. Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon falls to them. So Kayvon Thibodeau will be going number four overall to the New York Jets. I like that. And the Jets are not the only team in town that needs some help along the front, so we're going to stay there as well. And for the Giants, I think you want to help as much as you can what the investment is that you've made in Daniel Jones already. So with Evan Neal still 
on the board. That is a plug-and-play tackle for them. Evan Neal from Alabama goes to the New York Giants to play their offensive tackle position. I don't understand what's happening in this draft. And, and to a point, I do. It's a lot like the 2013 draft. When we had Eric Fisher go at the top after Luke Jokel seemed like the favorite to be the first tackle off the board, the favorite to be potentially the number one pick. And the top of that draft, if you go back and look, it is a barren wasteland. And much like what we think the 2022 draft looks like, the best picks were picks 20 to 60. Keenan Allen goes in the 70s. This draft could look a lot like that. That being said, we don't have to armchair quarterback this too much to look at what's going on with Trayvon Walker. It is a perfect metaphor to look at that 2013 draft and see someone like Ziggy Ansah at the top of that draft. Ziggy Ansah went fifth. Deion Jordan went third. Those were guys who were traits players. They were not highly productive edge rushers in College, it was these guys are freak athletes. We will be able to teach them how to rush the passer. I think it is a good lesson for us to say, okay, Trayvon Walker, an all-time alien athlete, but we have not seen you do the thing that you're going to be asked to do in the NFL. Is it really worth the risk to take a top five pick when someone like Aiden Hutchinson has been incredibly productive. Someone like Kayvon Thibodeau has been incredibly productive at doing the things we know they're going to be asked to do in the NFL. We will see. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Coming up tomorrow, the latest on the NBA playoffs and a look ahead to the NFL draft. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.